Okay, I think everybody's back. So I'm gonna go ahead and get started. Um, first of all, um, I'm Leslie Rowe. I'm on staff here at Denton North, if we haven't met before. And I'm glad to see all your faces this morning. Thanks to those of you that have your cameras on. And um, I just wanna kind of update you on our meeting situation. So we are trying to push meeting outside as long as we can. Um, but like this week, it was supposed to be raining this morning. And so we want to be able to give the GDAC workers a heads up if we're not gonna be there. So we called it Friday morning. So you guys, especially in the next several weeks are gonna need to be diligent about checking Facebook and about checking your email for the newsletter so that you make sure you have the most current information on what we're gonna do on a Sunday morning. Um, we don't think it's a good idea to meet inside right now. And so we won't be doing that um, until maybe after the holidays. We'll just kind of have to wait and see. Um, so if we meet outside and it's chilly, bundle up and come ready to stay warm. And if uh, we can't meet outside, then we'll be meeting on Zoom. But just pay attention to that. Also, if you have announcements that you want made on a Sunday, we're still using the DentonNorthChurch.com slash announcements to enter those. So please um, enter it there, even if you put it on Facebook, because we like to send things out on Facebook and in the newsletter to hit the most people possible. And if you only put it on Facebook, it doesn't get to the newsletter. So make sure that you um, put it on DentonNorthChurch.com slash announcements. And I don't know what you call that slash, but if you were standing and you leaned backwards, that's the direction the slash would go. So whatever that's called, that's the slash you need to use. And if you use the other one, it will not go to announcements. That's why that's an important thing. Okay, this morning, we're gonna spend some time talking um, about connecting with God. And my mom, is somebody who keeps everything. And a couple of weeks ago, she brought me two boxes and it had stuff that she had been keeping for me since college. I've been out of college for a very long time. And these boxes were full of bank statements, long distance bills and letters, tons and tons of letters. I went to college in Oklahoma City, which was about four hours from my home, and it was the first time I'd ever been away from home, and so I was pretty homesick, and I got lots of letters from people. I wrote lots of letters to people because that was the way to stay connected at the time. Long distance was very expensive, which some of you will have no reference point for, uh, but you didn't just pick up a phone and call from Texas to Oklahoma. There was a charge for that, and it was pretty hefty. And so the best way to keep in touch was by writing letters. Today, staying in touch and staying connected is much easier. We can text and we can call and we can FaceTime and we can email and whatever we want to do. Um, and so as we think through this morning, how do we connect to God um, there are several things uh, that I want us to think about. I want us to think about that we connect to God by spending time with him, that we connect to God through the spiritual disciplines. Those are very profound. I know you've probably never heard them before. 
Um, but those are the things that just don't change. Like those are the way we connect. And then I want us to talk about just what are some reasonable expectations for connecting with God? So I want to start out by reading a little bit of a devotional that I found. It's online and it was written by Mike Ahn, who is a faculty member at Biola University out of California. And I just want to share something that I think is important to this conversation about connecting with God. And it says this, sometimes we focus on the negative things in life too much. Don't get me wrong, I'm not advocating a Pollyannish faith that is blindly naive to life's harsh realities. And I believe that honestly understanding and deeply empathizing with the brokenness in our world develops Christ-like compassion. But sometimes negativity grips our hearts and imaginations a bit too forcefully. At an extreme, our morbid meditations spiral us into confusion and darkness, and more commonly, we adopt a cynical, glass-half-empty worldview. The problem with prolonged negativity is that we begin to look at life, relationships, and work as obligations more than opportunities. And then he put a note in here that said, clinical depression is something completely different that needs professional help. Obligation says I must do this, while opportunity says I get to do this. Obligation is life draining. And so it forces my energies to focus on replenishing my depletion and overcompensating for my neediness. Opportunity is life giving. And so my energies focus on serving and meeting others' needs. Advent, which is just around Jesus' birth. Jesus' birth is an invitation into hope. It's a journey from obligation to opportunity. And that's a phrase I want you to hold on to, a journey from obligation to opportunity. We await the day our king returns, and so we invest in kingdom work in the meantime. We long for the day when life in the spirit will be completely realized, so we learn to walk more closely with him each day. We anticipate the day our Father will make all things new, and so we impart life where we can. The hope of Advent is not rose-colored optimism. It is confidence that God will appear just as he did that first Advent. And I think connection with God is a lot the same thing. It's the hope that God will appear in our lives. Um, it's the hope that he'll be active, that he'll make changes in us, that he'll bring comfort, that he'll bring wisdom. And so connection with God is about a journey. It's about an opportunity. I don't have to spend time with God. I get to spend time with God. And David, I think, is a great example of connection with God and of what it looks like in real life to connect with God. And so I wanted to read Psalm 8 this morning. And it says this, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place? What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them? 
You've made them a little lower than the angels and, a, and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And I just think that uh, what David says there about what is man that you are mindful of him gives us a great view into why spending time with God is something we get to do rather than something we have to do. It reminds us how majestic God is, how intricate and beautiful his creation, how far greater he is than we are. And so given all of those things, why does he even notice us, much less want a relationship with us or care about what's going on with us? What a privilege it is to get to connect with him. So the first point I want us to explore is to connect with God, spend time with him. So the point of time with God is to remind ourselves that he's there and to live in his presence 24 seven, right? Like it's an all the time thing. We don't separate him out to just certain parts of our life. He wants a 24 seven relationship with us. Kurt and I have been married for 31 years. We live together, obviously, and we live together 24 seven. We're always with each other. But almost every day we eat dinner together. And after being busy all day, going our separate ways for work, it's a time we can connect. We talk about the day, we talk about what's on our mind, we pray together. Is that time always fun? Well, sometimes it is. Sometimes we laugh together. Sometimes we tell jokes. Sometimes funny things have happened during the day. But it's not always fun. Like sometimes we cry together about something really painful. Um, sometimes we're so tired, we just sit together in silence while we eat. It, it's not always easy. Sometimes we have to have hard conversations during that time. Sometimes something difficult happened during the day that we're trying to figure out a solution to. But in 31 years, I don't remember a time that I've ever gone, oh my gosh, do I have to eat dinner with him again today? Without that concentrated, intentional time together, we could be together 24-7 and still not be connected. And so while I think that focusing on the fact that God is with us all the time and we can always have a relationship with him, if we're not ever being intentional about stopping and connecting with him, we can go through life with him being there and being unconnected to him. So we can talk to him anytime. He's with us everywhere we go and in everything we do, but we still need focused times of attention and conversation. And I call that a quiet time. I don't know what you call it. Some people call it devotional time. Some people call it time with God. There are a lot of different names. Um, and actually, we've gotten pretty critical about what people call that particular time. Well, I don't like to call it quiet time because that's just pretty limiting. I spend time with God all day long. Or sometimes my time with God is loud. It's not quiet. So I like to call it loud time with God. And I'm being facetious for effect here. Um, and I think it's important that 
the language that we use. But I think that that language needs to be language people can relate to. And I think that language is important, but let's not be ridiculous about it. It's not like there's a special word that Jesus used for it in the Bible. We just see that he did it. And that's all throughout the gospels. I've called it quiet time for a really long time. It's just what the term that I use. And it has a lot of meaning to me. It's focused time with God. It's an opportunity to be with him and get to know him better. It's a time to connect with him. It's almost always in the morning. And yes, it is usually quiet because normally I practice the disciplines of solitude, silence, or meditation along with my quiet time. But when I had kids at home, it was rarely quiet. So if we're going to talk about our time with God, we have to have something we call it. We have to have a language for it. And that's my language. And what I would say to you about language matters is that the language you use to talk about connecting with God needs to be meaningful. You need to be able to explain it to people that it shouldn't criticize others as if they're not holy enough. So the language that you use shouldn't make them feel like I can never reach this bar. And we shouldn't be talking about it in a way to appear super spiritual, or if you're not feeling good about your time with God in a way that's what you think should be spiritual and what you think people wanna hear. And so those are just a few things I think that it's important to think about when trying to communicate about your quiet time. But here's what I want you to hear about whatever it is you want to call it, your time with God and about connecting with him. Our small group is doing a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And he says in here, like, I think I could have written what he said. It so perfectly describes what I want to share with you about quiet time. He says this. I grew up in a church tradition where we started our days with a quiet time. At the very beginning of our days, we would set aside a chunk of time to do Jesus-y stuff. Usually there was car coffee involved. Normally we read the Bible, ask God to do some things in our life, confessed our screw-ups, our needs, our aches. Sometimes we just sat there alone in the quiet with God and our souls. Why doesn't anybody talk about that anymore? Or when they do, why do people mock it or shrug it off as some legalistic hangover from fundamentalism? I have a secret. Don't judge me. I still practice a quiet time every day. I wouldn't miss it for the world. It's usually the best part of my day, hands down. And I'm not even a morning person. That's where he and I differ. I am a morning person. I say we bring back the quiet time. We rock it like it's 1999. Here's to tomorrow morning, six o'clock. Coffee, the chair by the window, the window by the tree. Time to breathe. A psalm and a story from the gospels. Hearing the father's voice, pouring out my own. Or just sitting, resting. Maybe I'll hear a word from God that will alter my destiny. Maybe I'll just process my anger over something that's bothering me. Maybe I'll feel my mind settle like untouched water. Maybe my mind will ricochet from thought to thought and never come to rest. If so, that's fine. I'll be back same time tomorrow, starting my day in the quiet place. 
And I would say that I think that's one of the important things about connecting with God is consistency, um, being there day after day. Um, obviously, we're not going to be perfect at that. And there's going to be times where we don't, but it's just moving on from that and then picking it back up and continuing to do that. Like, I don't think we need to stop and beat ourselves up when we miss some days. Let's just keep going. Let's not quit, not give up. Quiet time is not about obligation. It's about connection. It's about opportunity, both in the sense that we get to spend time with God in the sense that we're giving him the opportunity to speak to us, to be with us, to mold us, to make us like him. Spending time with God is an opportunity to connect with him. The second thing I want us to think about is that to connect with God, we need to practice the spiritual disciplines like Jesus did. So discipline, the word discipline may sound a lot like obligation, but it's actually quite different. When I see connection with God as something that I get to do, then I look at Jesus' life to see how he did that, and I try to imitate that. And when I look at his life, I see specific practices or habits that he had that connected him to God. We call those things spiritual disciplines, and these are not rules. Most of them Jesus never commanded, so think of disciplines more as Jesus' example and invitation to you. It's Jesus' example of how he connected with the Father and his invitation to follow him, to do what he's doing. And what I would use as a scripture reference for this is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we don't have time to read all four of those this morning. But the Gospels are your reference for connecting to God through spiritual disciplines like Jesus did. Spiritual disciplines are things we do, but the goal of practicing them is not so much about the doing as it is about being. It's about being like God and being with God. You don't have to do them like I do them. However, we don't get to just decide something is a spiritual discipline, like we don't make that up ourselves. We see it in the practices that Jesus did, and then we practice those same things. Practices that we see are good for our spiritual health and maturity, practices that help us connect to God and grow in being like Jesus. We don't just get to make something up and say, okay, this is a spiritual discipline. But the expressions of these spiritual disciplines are not gonna look the same. The spiritual disciplines will be the same, but the expression of them will not. So let me give you um, an example of that. So solitude is a spiritual discipline. I can't just decide that swimming is a spiritual discipline, but I can practice solitude while I'm swimming. That might be an expression of solitude in my life. Solitude might involve a walk outside. It might involve creating artwork. It might involve wrestling with logic. Worship is another spiritual discipline. It's just putting God in his proper place and me in mine. And, and worship could include research. It could include playing with your children. It could include watching your fish in their fish tank. See, there's a lot of room for different ways of incorporating that into your life. There's a lot of room for individuality. 
A discipline creates space where God can act and where we can be with God, talk to him, listen to him, be with him and be like him. And so just some examples of spiritual disciplines are meditation, fasting, study, simplicity, solitude, service, confession, worship, celebration. And I obviously don't have time to go into an explanation of all of these individually, but there are a lot of good articles and a lot of good books on this subject. Our cohorts, um, Ryan Plache, Mia and Manny, and Hannah Ortega have all um, studied the spiritual disciplines recently, and they would be a good person for you to contact and ask them what would be some good articles, what would be some good books to read about this. So what I want you to hear is connecting with God is both opportunity and dis practicing disciplines. So now I wanna give you an example. I think one of the hardest things about connecting with God is that um, we don't ever get to see a lot of times how somebody else does that. And so I'm just gonna share what that looks like for me on any given day. Like it's different all the time, but I'm just gonna share one experience with you. And so like, I'm gonna read straight from my journal on some of this. I'm just kind of opening this up to you. Like this is really what it looks like. So one day, a couple of weeks ago, I was, I set the day aside to prepare my sermon that I preached in Garland last week. And I got up and I started spending my time with God. I started thinking through my sermon and my thoughts were just going crazy. I had had three conversations the day before that were very hard and difficult conversations for me. And I had people that were in really tough situations that I was thinking about and thinking through. And then I was also trying to get my mind to focus on God and then to focus on my sermon. And so this is what I wrote in my journal. God, my mind is everywhere. I almost feel crazy with all the thoughts and accusations and doubts running through it. Yesterday was a day of saying things that didn't make sense and then feeling bad about it. What is wrong with me? Speak to me and bring my thoughts under control as I sit with you. Heal my mind. Do you know that feeling that I'm describing there? that feeling of your mind going a thousand miles an hour and jumping from thought to thought to thought to thought and not staying on any one long enough to resolve it? Do you know the accusations that you didn't say that well, you weren't clear, you were too serious, you made them feel like you're mad at them, you made them feel like you're judging them. Did you ever even say out loud how much you really love and care about them or did you just think that? It's pretty defeating, honestly, and it's pretty discouraging. And so that morning, as I prayed that prayer to God, I prayed it to him and nothing changed. Like I didn't feel any differently. My mind didn't all of a sudden be able to focus. So I thought, well, I'm just going to go ahead and do my Bible reading. I'm reading through the Bible right now. And I thought I'm just going to do my daily reading for today. And part of that was Psalms 119. And this is what jumped out to me. Psalms 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
And so I thought, I'm just going to start writing all of the scripture I've hidden in my heart. I'm just going to take it one by one and see what happens. And so I just started writing out scriptures that, that I've memorized. And I got to the fourth one and I felt God say this one. Now, let me tell you, when I say I felt God say, there was no audible voice in the room that said, look at this scripture. What I'm saying is that I felt his um, nudging in my heart to stop, to take a closer look at this particular scripture. And the scripture was Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. I had memorized this in the message, and so I'm going to repeat it to you out of the message. But it says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. And that was God saying to me, look at me, keep your eyes on me, fix your eyes on me, trust me from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. It's not up to you. You don't have to handle this. Just trust me and let me handle it. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. God's going to guide me. He's got this. He's going to help me with this. I don't have to do it on my own. Don't assume you know it all. <laughs> That's a great one. Don't assume you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. See, that scripture when I read it instructed me. It pointed me to God. I didn't know it all. And that scripture told me that's okay because God does know it all. I don't have to do everything right because when I'm weak, he is strong. He's going to keep me on track. He's on my side. It focuses me and connects me to God. So then I kept writing different scriptures that I could remember. And the next one I got to that I felt God nudge me was Psalms 23. And I think that I may have said this before, but I'm going to say it again. But I have a little guilt about Psalm 23 being one God spoke to me through because I feel like it's so cliche. Um, everybody knows Psalm 23, even a lot of people that aren't Christians. But I will tell you that Psalms 23, God has used a lot in my life to really um, tell me things. And so the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want and what that said to me was, look at me. I'm everything you need. The, he makes me lie down in pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Even though I'm anxious and I can't control my thoughts, God refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. I'm not my own. He's going to guide me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm exhausted, I'm scared, I'm anxious, but God, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Like I said before, your time doesn't have to look like mine. Mine doesn't always look the same. But there should be some similarities of prayer and of scripture. Um, and that's just one day of what mine looked like. I felt at the end of that time, my mind quit racing so much. It calmed down to where I could focus more, but it didn't completely go away. 
it took a couple of more days of spending time with God before it completely went away. And there are some days, honestly, that I sit with God and I walk away not knowing what it was about, not knowing what, if anything really happened or anything really changed, but it's the consistency of going back to him and going back to him and going back to him. So I want to leave you with some reasonable expectations for connecting with God. The first one is it's practice. It's not perfection. People will say to me, I'm struggling with spending time with God. And my response will almost always be, well, what do you mean by that? Tell me more about that. And they'll, they'll inevitably say, I can't do it. And I'll say, well, have you ever done it? And they'll say, yeah, I've, I've done it sometimes. So then it's not that you can't do it. It's just that you can't do it yet. You can't do it consistently yet. See, the goal is not perfection. The goal is to practice, to continually go back to God. And we, in doing that, acknowledge the God we can't see and that a lot of times we don't feel that he's with us. It's our way of reminding ourselves and acknowledging that he's with us. So it's practice, it's not perfection. The second expectation is that it's consistent, not unchanging. So consistent in the sense of dependable. It's dependable, it's not unchanging. So it's consistent in that involves prayer, it involves scripture, and honestly, I think one of the consistent things about connecting with God is that it involves community. But it doesn't mean the same thing all the time. It doesn't mean I'm doing the exact same thing every day. Um, so don't be afraid to change your habits. Think about what time of day offers you the best chance to have a clear mind and the ability to focus. Think about if you've tried something new lately. Have you tried a new reading plan? Have you tried a new way of praying? Have you tried a new place to do your time with God? Have you tried walking versus sitting? Have you been doing it some certain way for a really long time because that's what someone told you you were supposed to do or because it's what you thought you were supposed to do? Decide what works or doesn't work for you and explore a new strategy. It may seem hard at first, but just keep trying. And so a suggestion I have on trying something new is the devotional I read at the very beginning that I told you was from a professor at Biola University. They put out an Advent study that Brad actually turned us onto several years ago. And they do a different one every year. So this year's will be specifically for 2020, it's brand new. Um, but basically, if you don't know what Advent is, Advent is just looking forward to Christ's second coming and looking backward to Christ's first coming, so his birth when he was born. And it's to prepare our hearts for the arrival of a notable person, Jesus, in this case. And the Advent study that they put out is set up like one of those little Advent calendars where you open and there's a little chocolate every day counting down to Christmas. And so there's a little day that you click on and it opens up the study. And so each one has a scripture. It has a devotional that's written by one of the faculty members at Biola. It has a work of visual art, a poem and a piece of music. And then it also has about 
the artwork, the artist, the music, the composer, the performer, the poet, and the devotion writer. So it has a lot of different things to choose from and a lot of different mediums to use. Uh, you would spend a lot of time if you did all of those things every day, uh, but I found it was really life-giving to do something each day and make myself do something I'm not usually good at. So like art is not something I'm usually good at, but I gained a lot of connection with God through some of the artwork in this. Um, so I would just encourage you to try that and I will post the link um, when we get done. So, that, But if you Google it, just Google 2020 Advent Study by Biola University and it'll come up and you can see it. That's just something different to try. The third expectation is it's a walk, not a sprint. It takes time to see results. So some days it's more of a discipline than it is an opportunity and that's okay. Many of us have felt um, the comfort that comes from Philippians 1.6, which says he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. But we don't often say the last part of that verse would which is he will be faithful to complete it on the day of Christ. And so what that scripture is really saying is that it, the learning curve does not end today or tomorrow, but it lasts a lifetime. We're back to that journey that I talked about at the beginning from obligation to opportunity. And so what we wanna see in our time with God is that we may start out doing it out of obligation, but hopefully as the journey goes along, we're gonna see that switch over to opportunity. So we might start out doing it because we think we have to. I don't think most of us would say because we have to, I think we would say because we need to, but somewhere along the line, and I can't even tell you where, it switched over to being because I get to. Um, and so I think that the words of Dory in Finding Nemo, just keep swimming, <laughs> is what I want to leave you with on that. And so connection with God is pretty simple. It's nothing profound. It's nothing new that I have to give you. Spend time with him, practice the things Jesus did, and have reasonable expectations. But one of the questions that we got on this was, should I try to connect with God more than I already am? And I don't know the situation or the motivation behind that question, but if what you were saying is, should I try to spend more time with him to read the word more and to practice the spiritual disciplines, then my answer to that is yes, you should. First Timothy 6, 11 and 12 says, but you man of God flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I suspect that somebody out there this morning needs to hear the admonition of 1 Timothy to fight. You have to fight for your faith. Life can be so incredibly beautiful, but it can also be incredibly hard. And if your faith is not strong, you'll lose it in those times when it's incredibly hard. 
So if your connection with God right now is weak, fight back. If you're unplugged and spiritually dying, fight, spend time with God, pray, read the word. You know what to do. It's not a matter of not knowing what to do. Find somebody that will hold you accountable. Find somebody that will meet up with you, that will study the Bible with you. Whatever it takes to fight, to keep, or to reconnect with God. Remember what God has done in your life and never give up. And I promise you, if you take one step towards God, he'll take 20 steps towards you. If there's anything uh, that we've talked about this morning, if you have questions about it, if you need help reconnecting with God, if you need help strengthening your connection with God, I'm happy to talk to you. Brad is happy to talk to you. Any of our elders or leaders, um, talk to somebody about it. Don't just do that by yourself. So I want to end us out with a prayer today. Um, but before I do, I know a lot of you um, will be either going home to celebrate Thanksgiving this week. Some of you may be staying even by yourself because of COVID to celebrate Thanksgiving. Um, but I just want you to know how thankful I am for all of you. Um, how much I love even when we're on Zoom seeing all of your faces. Um, how much I enjoy meeting with you in person outside, even if it's cold, even if it's sweltering hot. Um, you are such an encouragement to me, and I am so appreciative of the way that you've hung in there through all of the weird things that have gone on this last year. And I really feel like that our time together has become way more encouraging and important to me than it even was before we had some of the challenges that we had. Um, but I just want you to know that I, as well as the rest of our leaders, appreciate you and love you and will be thinking about you this week um, and being incredibly grateful to God for you. Let's pray together. God, I'm so incredibly grateful for this church body. And I thank you for each person that's here, both the people that have been here for a long time and the people that have come recently. I thank you that you've grown us during such a weird season and such a weird time. Um, I thank you that I've gotten to see the importance of community and the importance of meeting together. And God, I pray that you would help us to connect with you. I pray that you'll help us to continue to try um, even when it feels like nothing's happening. I pray that we'll ask questions. I pray that we'll try different things. I pray that we'll be consistent with the things we know we need to do, like reading our Bible and praying and talking to you and listening to you. Um, God, I pray that we would come to know you more in everything that we do. And we just worship you and praise you. And I pray for safety for our people that are traveling this week. I pray for good times with family. Um, I pray for good times with you if they're not able to go and be with family. Um, and I just pray, God, that your presence uh, would be very comforting and very real to us. Uh, thank you for loving us and thank you for blessing us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. 
We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.